Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.45 Central Daylight Time. It's the 5th of August, 2020. This is episode 264 of Bitcoin and I Saw a White Rabbit in my backyard this morning. And when I mean a white rabbit, I'm talking a bunny. Like, straight up, classic bunny. Solid, bleach white, cotton tail with the shorter ears kind that don't that makes it look like all cute and fluffy and not all scary and like oh my god what's wrong with his head yep i'm taking it <clears throat> i'm taking it as a good omen but what i find odd is that i've been in crypto or god oh, i'm sorry i didn't mean to say that i'd almost go back and edit that shit out but we got shit to do i've been in bitcoin for 5 years class of 2015 and i've just now seen the white rabbit seriously So I'm hoping it's a good omen, that it's prophetic, that it somehow or another means that change is upon the horizon. I believe it is. Let's get into this shit. First thing up is BSA, bro. Bitcoin street art. That's going to be, let me just make sure of this, at BTC, S-T-R-E-E-T-A-R-T, all one word, only got sub-1,500 followers, yet constantly, constantly tweets out pictures of either a Bitcoin sticker or Bitcoin graffiti on the streets of the world. So if you have pictures, or if, uh, if you haven't had any pictures and you have the ability to take a picture, send that picture of any Bitcoin street art that you see to BTC Street Art. That's BTC Street Art, all one word on Twitter. And that bastard will post that thing up. And I am like, I get super pumped when I see several postings a day from BTC Street Art of pictures of Bitcoin stickers all over the world. Like this one is from Sao Paulo, Brazil. I don't read Portuguese, so I don't know what it says, but it's clearly a Bitcoin sticker. So, uh, let's see. Concerte o dinero salve o mundo. I think it means conservative money for the world or saves the world. I don't know. Like I said, I don't speak Portuguese. And that's what, it's not Spanish. that They speak Portuguese, which is... Apparently different enough from Spanish that, you know, Spaniards have some problems with the language and Brazilians or Portuguese have some problems with Spanish. I don't know. It it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because what I was telling my sister a couple of days ago is that it doesn't matter if I'm doing business with a guy in Kenya. If we both speak Bitcoin, then we both know what we're talking about. Right. 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 Telling you, bro. Just saying. Okay. And I also want to address this thing. 
the uh, White Rabbit BTC put this one out. This has kind of been a meme that's been running around for, I don't know, I think the meme has been alive for 72 hours. And as memes will, uh, has gained a lot of traction. And it's this uh, thing that says there's 7.8 billion people on the earth and there's 21 million Bitcoin. That makes on average 269,231 Satoshis per person. That would be 0.00269 BTC. And then he asks, of course, how does your stack hold up? And God, don't don't tell him. Okay, that, so that's pretty much the damn tweet. And the math seems to check out. A lot of people are, are coming up with, you know, I mean, well, clearly math is, you know, well, arithmetic. It's not really math. Math is easy. Arithmetic, that's what's hard. Okay, so, uh, yeah, 300,000 Satoshis per person. Except the only problem is, is that there's not 21 million Bitcoin yet. I know, I get it. It's been priced in or some other thing. For me, I'm just going with, no, there's 18.6 or 9 million BTC that have actually been minted. The other ones are there, but nobody can get a hold of them until they're mined, right? So my question is, is that the end of the subsidy is supposed to hit right around 2140, if I remember correctly, somewhere around there. What's the population of the world then? So we have 7.8 billion people fighting for 18 point, let's say 18.8 million Bitcoin. What's the fight going to look like in 120 years? I don't know probably going to be pretty rough, man. Now, this dude, uh, R. Sorrow, this is Rob Sorrow. Let me make sure of his uh, Twitter handle. It's at R-S-A-R-R-O-W. Says, hey, everyone. Over the past weekend, I set up, set up an open data library to help people learn about Bitcoin projects, companies, and products. Each project has its own page that includes employee info, podcasts, Relevant news and much more. Now, this is an entire thread, so uh, let's see what he's going for. Goal of this is to give investors, hobbyists, and those new to Bitcoin an easy-to-navigate resource that houses all of a project's relevant information. And don't worry if you don't see your company or project. This is just the first of many waves that I will be adding. Notice a mistake or want to add something? Just shoot me a message. To give projects enough time to send over new information, I plan to update the list once Every four weeks, right around like month, you know, basically a monthly schedule, uh, not on the building Bitcoin list, send over a message or tag me in a post and don't forget to subscribe to stay up to date with all the companies and projects innovating on Bitcoin. Check out the first wave of companies building on Bitcoin right now. And then he gives, I think it's like a wave one parts one, two, and three in these so he links to it, and it's going to be, let's see, I've got it up here. It's notion.so forward slash building Bitcoin. And I honestly, I would, the, the address here is actually rather long. So what I would do is go over to, um, oh God, R-S-A-R-R-O-W Twitter account and uh, hit the, uh, let me see, make sure he's got it up here. On his do 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 something probably Bitcoin. No, he does not. And my God, I just I wish I wish that he would have made a bitly out of that. So 
I don't know, just DM or, or tag, uh, Rob sorrow in a tweet says how, and, and ask him how to get over to notion.so forward slash building hyphen Bitcoin hyphen, what looks to be like an address, like, like a, a short ass crypto address. And I'm not going to read it all because you wouldn't be able to get it. It doesn't matter. It's building Bitcoin. And what it shows is essentially it's a, uh, it's a spreadsheet. And it's broken down by sector, and the sectors would be like financial services, e-commerce, security, gaming, uh, consumer, infrastructure, stuff like that. And then next to the each one of the the sectors, it's got like you know for financial services, this one up here has amber, and then its status is will show like live, alpha, beta, watching, so that you kind of know where it is in its development. And then it gives a category like their financial services will have a couple of different categories like rewards is a financial services. Uh, let's see, uh, exchange is a different category. And then, then there's at the very uh, right-hand side is a list of keywords that go along with it. So if I go to open a single page and let's just do Amber, status is live and it brings up a whole page about the company. So here's what's on here is that status is live. Uh, it's in the rewards category of the financial services sector. Team members are, I'm going to butcher at least one name. Alexander Svetsky is the CEO. Ashley McVeigh is a head developer. And Peter Young is the COO. Description based in Brisbane, Australia. Amber is on a mission to empower everyone with the ability to build enduring wealth by simply simplifying access to the best version possible of the tool we call money. Bitcoin. And then a founding date, state of funding, industries, uh, contact information. Uh, it, oh my God, this is so cool. It's, and then there's like a section for its social media. Gives its website, its blog, its Twitter account, its LinkedIn account, its YouTube channel, Medium. Dude, this is really nice. And it goes on and on and on. There's like, okay, this, you guys got to check this shit out. Okay, I'm just, I'm just saying you need to, to go check this out. That's notion, N-O-T-I-O-N dot so forward slash building Bitcoin and then a whole bunch of freaking letters and numbers. So again, get a hold of the man himself. That's Rob Sorrow at R-S-A-R-R-O-W and ask him how the hell to get to building Bitcoin because that's the name of the project, building Bitcoin. Now, my favorite coffee mug in the world is has a picture of it uh, or a picture of it in this. Uh, let's see. One BDI underscore is the Twitter account. And it's just a picture of him holding this mug that has a Twitter exchange between Peter Schiff and Vortex. Peter Schiff starts out with, I did not forget my password. Read my tweet. My wallet forgot my password. If you forgot about this. Oh man. Vortex answers. The software did not forget your password. Software does not forget. Aging boomers forget. Ah, oh, bit slap. Peter Schiff says there's zero chance. I forgot my password. I used a very simply numeric password that I've used many times in the past. I so want this coffee mug. I just, I can't stand not having this coffee mug. Please, somebody tell me where to get this son of a bitch. Okay. All right. Uh, what's this one? Oh, good Lord. It looks like Kodak director George Kerfunkel is no longer the largest holder of Kodak shares. 13D filed today has him reducing stake from 15.5% 
to 4.4% as of July the 29th. Kodak closed at $33.20 that day. He donated 3 million shares to Congregation or yeah, Congregation Chemdas Yzural, according to 13D. If you don't remember the Kodak pump, trading shot up like blistering 1600% on the 27th. The day, I think it was the 28th, Trump announced that they was working out a deal with Kodak for drug manufacturing. God knows why, because they, the only chemistry that they have was metals chemistry for, you know, film like celluloid chemistry and uh, probably some nickel stuff and clearly silver nitrate because that's how film was done back in the day. So no, no, there's no, nothing to see here. Nobody worked out a deal to get filthy rich, you know, on the backs of retail. No, but nobody did that. Come on, come on. All right. So there's community news. I'll come back with morning roundup. I need some coffee. Beep, 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 that was shit. This just in, just came over the desk, man. Hodel and Knott's asking for some help. And it's the good kind of help. He's not in trouble, like, well, he's still doing the whole Craig Wright thing, but this is different. He just, uh, a tweet came across literally seconds ago, says, we are gearing up to start selling physical copy of Citadel 21, which is the handle for that on Twitter is at CTDL21 or two ones. CTDL21. We have our own BTC pay server set up, but it doesn't collect names and addresses for shipping. WooCommerce plugin seems the way to go, but we need some help setting this up right, solid, and looking good. Anyone? Anyone? So if, for whatever reason, you know something about the WooCommerce plugin, I know I don't, um, <clears throat> get a hold of Hodelanot or yeah, Hodelanot. It's not Hodelnot, guys. It's Hodelonot. So that would be at H-O-D-L-O-N-A-U-T. Everybody's favorite space cat. Okay, now we're done. Let's get into rat poison squared on steroids. What's new in Bitcoin's latest lightning release? This was written by Elisa Hertig sometime yesterday for Coindesk. All eyes are on Bitcoin's bullish price at the moment. Behind the scenes, however, developers are tinkering to build the infrastructure that many hope could make the Bitcoin system more accessible to more people. Last week, Bitcoin tech startup Blockstream released its major version of C-Lightning, its implementation of the Lightning Network. The release is dubbed <laughs> Rat Poison Squared on Steroids. RPSOS technology, bro. Facetiously referencing Warren Buffett's comment that Bitcoin is rat poison squared, and in his opinion, investors will get burned if they put their money into it. Of course, C Lightning developers probably don't believe Bitcoin is rat poisoning, seeing as they are working full time to scale Bitcoin payments. The Lightning Network is pitched as the future of Bitcoin because it ushers in faster and cheaper payments and scales the network so it can support many, many users than it currently can support without slowing it down. Let me just say this before I continue. The Lightning, not, the Lightning Network is not the future of Bitcoin. Don't kill me for saying that. It is one of many, many futures of Bitcoin. If we keep our head in the box and just say, well, 
It's going to be lightning that solves all this and lightning that does all this. Yeah, lightning is going to be a massive help. But if it's only going to ever be about lightning, probably is that's probably not good. Okay. We need several futures for Bitcoin. With this release, Bitcoin's lightning network gradually continues to make headway. Here's a dive into the major pieces of the latest release. Multi-part payments are one feature that will improve Lightning Network's user experience. Sometimes payments fail when the software can't find a path to the user. This is especially likely to occur when payments are larger. Large payments require an adequate amount of liquidity in all of the channels between the sender's nodes and the receiver's. If there isn't enough liquidity to support passing the payment along, the payment fails. MPP effectively splits payments into smaller pieces so they're easier to send across the network, making payments more reliable. Quote, the most dubious or dubious, the most obvious feature is that we now can pay with uh, multi-part payments. Blockstream Lightning Engineer Rusty Russell told Coindesk, C Lightning has been able to receive MPP payments since last year, but Christian... Decker from Blocks, a Blockstream engineer, finally got around to implementing the sending side, Russell said. This is a piece of a much broader effort to update Lightning's UX and hopefully attract more users. MPP, multi-part payments, was discussed by developers back at Lightning Developer Summit in 2018 in Adelaide, Australia. Watchtowers fight fraud. Watchtowers is a fraud-fighting component the Lightning Network that is early on in its creation, a watchtower watches a user's Bitcoin in the Lightning Network to make sure it's safe. If someone tries to cheat, the watchtower detects the infraction and responds by penalizing the offending user. See, Lightning has made changes to make it easier for watchtowers to hitch up to see Lightning. Blockstream engineer Christian Decker probably a lizard because, you know, they're all lizards over there, added enough information that a plug-in can easily support a watchtower, Russell told Coindesk. We tell it exactly what transaction it would need to publish if the previous cheating transaction were to appear. Like plugins in other software, such as the Google Chrome browser or a music-making program, a plug-in in C Lightning adds extra functionality to the C Lightning node. Russell noted the Lightning Watchtower Eye of Satoshi is already using this new feature. Coin tracking for taxes. Ah, bummer, dude. See, Lightning has laid the groundwork for a tool to track all of users' coin movements. And yeah, that kind of gives me the, the willies right there. But let's continue. This could come in handy for anyone worried about tracking their Lightning coins come tax season so they can figure out what they owe the IRS. Just print the money, man. This underlying tracking work has been added to the release. The next step is to make this functionality available for users. <clears throat> Nigut, that's a, a, a name that I'm clearly butchering, is putting the final touches on a plugin that records everything your accountant will want to know about where your money came from and went, Russell said. Quote, seems she is actually looking forward to next tax year so she can use this in anger, end quote, he added. While these are a few of the most significant changes, there are plenty more. See, Lightning now supports sending key send transactions, which offers a new way to tip others with Lightning payments. And Russell mentioned that the developer team has been re-engineering everything to support a new Bitcoin transaction format called PSBT, or Partially Signed Bitcoin Transaction, which facilitates transactions with hardware wallets, a secure method of storing Bitcoin since the device remains disconnected from the internet. Peruse the release notes for more details. And of course, they give a link to the release notes. All good news, except I just, 
I'm always going to cringe when I hear tracking coin movements and user and I just, I can't help it. It's an automatic response. I don't know if the way that they're implementing it is going to be good or bad, but man, I see tracking and I'm like, Ugh. but multi-part payments, watchtowers, key send, mm, that's some good rat poison right there. Not good news for BCH though, as tensions flare. It is B. It is Bitcoin Cash headed for another catastrophic fork. This was written by Samuel Haig for Coin Telegraph about an hour ago. Despite tensions flaring among Bcash developers over the protocol's difficulty algorithm, keep this in mind. Another chain split seems unlikely. <laughs> Yeah, maybe for today. The Bcash community is divided over whether the change whether to change the cryptocurrency's difficulty adjustment algorithm, with a recent developer meeting reportedly concluding with attendees storming out of the event. Oh my. Oh. On August the 4th, which was yesterday, Chris Pasia or Pasia, the lead developer of the peer-to-peer marketplace Open Bazaar and a volunteer BCH developer tweeted that Quote, multiple people walked out of the meeting as consensus was not reached over whether to make adjustments to Bitcoin Cash's difficulty algorithm. Oh, the cringe. Ethereum co-founder Vitalik Buterin waded into the discussion with at tweeting a reply that he doesn't understand with BCH people care so much given your algo is fine as is. And added, quote, I will be honest, being optimistic that BCH development would improve once they got Craig Wright out is definitely looking like one of my worst predictions. Oh, the cringe, bro. Some reports indicate that growing tensions over the difficulty algorithm may result in yet another BCH chain split. Outspoken Australian BCH proponent Hayden Otto tweeted, quote, I will be sticking with the Bitcoin cash chain this coming chain split. Oh, God. They're telegraphing. They're telegraphing. This is probably going to happen. Okay, this one, okay, this same story, but this is a heading that I, I don't normally read the headings, but this one I'm going to. Difficulty algo dispute is trivial. But speaking to Cointelegraph, Otto said his tweet was meant as a joke to troll those opposing BCH's core Bitcoin ABC developers. He played down the significance of the community disagreements as a Trivial matter, mm -hmm. but also said that enemy operatives who pose as BCH supporters are using the difficulty adjustment algorithm as a wedge issue to create chaos and so division. Quote, changing the DAA, the difficulty adjustment algorithm, has been made a priority issue by a select few people who want to stop miners gaming the current DAA by switching large amounts of hash rate to and from BCH, which results in inconsistent block mining times. He said, yeah, well, y'all shouldn't have done any of this shit in the first place, and this wouldn't have happened, but whatever. Quote, this really only affects people who are depositing to exchanges, which require an unnecessary amount of confirmations for deposits, but doesn't affect the vast majority of people using BCH in a personal or business capacity where, <clears throat> oh God, it hurts. Zero confirmations are sufficient. No. Oh God. <clears throat> According to Otto, Bitcoin ABC announced a forthcoming overhaul to the difficulty algorithm come BCH's next scheduled upgrade on November the 15th. However, he asserts, those who push for the adjustment remain unhappy because ABC's proposed upgrade doesn't go as far as the BCHN implementation that they have suggested. Despite the disagreement, Otto believes that a BCHN chain split is unlikely 
stating that the BCHN software is not widely adopted by miners. Oh, God, the echoes of the past. And thus, its supporters, quote, will not have a majority vote to get their desired changes through on the upgrade date, end quote, quote. They are now relying on proof of social media tactics in an attempt to persuade miners and businesses who run ABC to capitulate and swap over to the BCHN software, end quote, quote. Right now, it's all just posturing online, but when it comes to the upgrade date, I don't think the BCHN supporters will follow through on anything. There will be a minority chain, and another split would be catastrophic for anyone following the minority chain, Auto concluded. Without getting into it, guys, what does this sound like? I'm telling you, man, echoes of the past. And I called it, I called it like over a year ago that this shit is inevitable. It doesn't matter if it happens tomorrow, today, next week, next month. It does not matter. They That chain is going to split and then split again and then split again and then split again. And all the splits are going to split again. And it's just, it's a shit show. Now, this whole thing that the discussion is trivial about the difficulty uh, algorithm adjustment, it's not trivial. Maybe he thinks the discussion is trivial but what's not trivial is what they're talking about. They're talking about a core tenant to that project. Core. A core tenant. Not, not some kind of outlying bullshit that cleans up code or something like that. No, 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 no. They've, this is, would be probably, I think, the third or fourth, probably the third uh, difficulty algorithm adjustment that they've gone through. And if you can just change the difficulty algorithm all the time, your chain is worth absolutely the square root of F all. But speaking of square roots, Square reports a 600% increase in quarterly Bitcoin revenue. This was written today by Patty Baker for Coindesk. Nice. It's just bullet points, so bear with me. Square's Bitcoin business is continuing rapid growth with second quarter revenue 600% up year on year. Announced Tuesday, the San Francisco payments company said revenue made from selling Bitcoin to its cash app customers in the second quarter came to a total of $875 million. That's six times the amount in the same period of 2019. Square stresses it only takes a small margin selling Bitcoin to customers, but second quarter results still mean it made $17 million in profit which itself is up 711% year over year. Square released its results ahead of schedule after someone gained early external access. It hasn't provided any further details on what happened. That's, I'm sure that's related to that same hack that that kid's going to go down for. He threw his life in, uh, in the toilet and then flushed it squarely down the toilet. Ah, get it, Square? Yeah. <clears throat> Twitter hack is what I'm referring to because Twitter and Square are headed up you know, probably by similar, similar infrastructure. I'm just saying <clears throat> since Square first enabled Bitcoin buying through its cash app in November of 2017, it has grown to become a dominant part of the business. While Bitcoin made up only 5% of its revenues at $34 million in the first quarter of 2018, it came to 65.5 million in the same quarter of 2019 by Q4 2019 Square's Bitcoin revenue reached $178 million and $306 million in the first quarter of 2020, $100 million more than the revenues generated from its fiat services. But Tuesday's result, rep, results 
represent one of the biggest increases in quarter-to-quarter revenue to date. The company attributes the rise to a surge in customer demand and volumes as well as an increase in Bitcoin circulating supply. Square excludes Bitcoin revenue from its total figures, saying that incorporating something so unpredictable and volatile into its results would make it hard to gauge the company's overall performance. Yeah, volatility is a bitch, but that's, that's good. This is all good news. I'm sorry, it just, it just is. Um, <clears throat> decrypt.co. Oh, let's see. Will Heisman is writing sometime this morning that a blatant bug led to $370,000 in a DeFi hack. Decentralized finance protocol Open, O-P-Y-N, was stripped of 370,000 USDC in a double spend attack yesterday. According to experts, the not-so-subtle exploit should have been caught earlier. Attackers raided the decentralized finance protocol Open yesterday, making off with 370K. Open, which deals primarily with options for... ETH was subject to a double spend attack. Quote, at the time of this post, we found 371,260 USDC that has been stolen from these contracts, reads Open's postmortem. Analysis from security researchers Peck Shield elaborates that the double spend transpired due to an exploited smart contract bug allowing attackers to openly plunder any, any and all USDC within Open's smart contracts. Chichira Wu Research, VP for PeckShield and author of the firm's postmortem, told Decrypt that while the exploit itself wasn't devastating financially, consequences for open standing could be dire. Quote, I would say it hurts the reputation more. Since it's not a subtle bug, Solidity developers should be able to catch it, Wu said. After becoming aware of an issue Tuesday afternoon, the open team kicked into action, siphoning liquidity from decentralized exchange Uniswap to prevent further problems. The team also enlisted the help of a white hat hacker known as Samsun, that's S-A-M-C-Z-S-U-N, to extract a total of 520,000 USDC from remaining open smart contracts in an attempt to mitigate further losses. Again, echoes from the past. Points for if you can tell what I'm talking about has to do with an Ethereum wallet developer uh, about three years ago. For those still holding the platform's now illiquid tokens, Open has offered to buy them at a 20% markup on the crypto exchange Darabit. Shit show. Despite Open providing a litany of remedies, including a bug bounty program and enhanced auditing, Peck Shields Wu remains skeptical that DeFi won't suffer the same again. Quote, until the day human beings stop coding, people will keep generating bugs. On the other hand, there's no perfect system. I'm sure we'll see more zero days or new tricks to attack Ethereum-based software in the future. That's because it's easy to do. Open's exploit marks the sixth. Count them. One, two, three, four, five, six DeFi hacks this year. And with security experts anticipating more to come, DeFi's narrative as the new financial frontier may be more akin to the Wild West. God, the echoes of the past are all over my my ass today. It's disgusting. But Bitcoin gets its moment as the United States Fed considers an inflation rise. Yeah, if you haven't heard that one, that's going around the horn today or and yesterday. This is great. Uh, Shura Malwa is writing this for Decrypt.co sometime this morning. The United States Federal Reserve will soon be drafting a policy outline that favors low interest rates and higher inflation as it 
pursues a return to pre-pandemic levels of economic activity. Good luck. People with knowledge of the matter told CNBC on Tuesday, past statements from Fed officials and economists noted analysts suggest an average inflation target of above 2% annually would be both tolerated and desired. They're telegraphing people. They are. They're telegraphing what their intentions are. Would be both tolerated and desired actually means will be both tolerated and required. That's what they're saying to you. However, these came with various economic outcomes. And for Bitcoin, it's a positive one. Ed Yardeni of sell-side consulting firm Yardeni Research told the outlet, we believe that the Fed publicly would welcome inflation in a range of 2% up to 4% as a long overdue offset to inflation running below 2% for so long in the past. Yardeni, is it? Yeah, Yardeni added the approach would be wildly bullish for alternative asset classes such as growth stocks and precious metals like gold and silver. For a start, the current levels of inflation are already enough for many Bitcoin investors. Quote, a general store was once called a nickel store. Over time, it became called a five and dime store. All prices were either five or 10 cents. Today, it's called a dollar store. Soon, it will be called a $10 store, tweeted Cameron Winklevoss, co-founder of the crypto exchange Gemini. Jameson Lopp, CTO of Bitcoin storage company Casa, commented on the announcement of higher interest rates, stating, quote, the Fed is expected to make a major commitment to devaluing your money. What you gonna do? Meanwhile, Robert Breedlove of crypto investment serve Par- uh, investment firm Parallax Digital said that apart from inflation, assets like Bitcoin and gold incentivize a saving-based economy while inflation leads to debt. Quote, capitalist money, gold and Bitcoin, incentivizes savings since scarcity drives appreci- appreciation and mitigates market distortions. Socialist money, or fiat currency, incentivizes indebtedness As inflation erodes, real debt burden, says Breedlove. Inflation is not the only concern among Bitcoin investors. Earlier this year, Wall Street legend Paul Tudor Jones, founder of asset management firm Tudor Investments, revealed that his firm holds 1% of his assets in, in Bitcoin. He cited excessive money printing as a chief concern. In contrast to the United States dollar, Bitcoin has a fixed inflation rate that decreases over time as it trends towards zero inflation. So maybe Bitcoin's not the answer yet. Oh, come on, dude. The last sentence was pretty good until you had, you had me until maybe Bitcoin's not the answer yet. It's got to have some kind of emission rate. I mean, not permanent, but some kind of emission rate to get the things out there. Otherwise it's just a gigantic pre-mine. Stop it, dude, chill. Okay, let's do some numbers. CNBC.com forward slash markets tells me markets are kind of meh. No, I mean, not as meh as they have been and, and a little bit less meh than yesterday, but still eh. S&P 500 is up a half. NASDAQ is up. I don't know, 0.4. Dow Jones is up a point and a quarter. The FTSE is up a point. Uh, Nikkei is down a quarter. Hang Seng is up a half. Shanghai is up negligible. VIX is actually down two points. That's the volatility index. Bonds have almost, all of them have increased their uh, yields across the board. Uh, but like we're talking like US 10 years point. 
0.035 to the upside, 30 year 0.4 to the upside, or no, not 0 0.4, 0 0.04. Uh, five year is 0 0.02 to the upside. And let's see, the bund actually gained some, but you're still going to pay half a percent to hold that worthless piece of paper. Oil, for whatever reason, having a banger day. It's up damn near four points. West Texas Intermediate last was $43.30. Uh, natural gas continuing its rise to, good God, $2.2. Per MCF, that's a, a thousand cubic feet of gas. So if you filled, if you had a room that that measured one thousand cubic feet, and that's a lot, and you filled it one hundred percent with natural gas, that's what an MCF is. In case you wanted to know, gold continuing its uh, run past two thousand to two thousand and sixty-three dollars. That's a two percent rise. Silver having having its day, man, four percent to the upside. Its last was twenty seven dollars and eight cents. Let's talk about some real money here. Bitcoin having another face ripper. Well, kinda eleven thousand six hundred and twenty nine. I got a high over at Bit Asset. That's going to be eleven thousand six hundred and eighty nine dollars to the upside. Do I have a low, or did I just read it? I read it. 11,629 is the low. There it is. 321,000 transactions over the last 24 hours gives us about 13,400 transactions on average per hour with sub 1 million BTC being sent in that 24-hour period. The average being sent <clears throat> per, uh, uh, per hour is 40,500 BTC with the average transaction value being 3 BTC and the median transaction value being 0 0.048 BTC or about 500 bucks. Block times have fluctuated to the upside. We are now long 10 minutes and 26 seconds. 0.85 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 117 BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. We've had a 12% drop in hash rate, bringing us to 119.7 exahashes per second. And Bit, uh, Bitcoin's GitHub last commit was sometime yesterday. Ethereum is at 395, Bcash at 294, BSV at 230, Litecoin at 58.59. And Ethereum Classic is at seven and a quarter and Dogecoin is at 0 0.0035. So it's getting its own bump. And at 50,000 transactions, it's walking all up and down the usual suspects, Ethereum Classic, Litecoin, and Bcash. Oh God, I don't even want to talk about the Roger Ver tweet. I, I think I've got it in the stack, but at only 18,000 transactions, I, I don't think Stooley president is going to give much of a shit about it. We'll get to that later. Let's, let's see what Clark Moody has to say. <clears throat> Bitcoin.clarkmoody.com forward slash Bitcoin. The mempool that he's looking at shows 38,644 transactions pending, and that will take 42 blocks to clear. Uh, the market price that Clark Moody is showing is 11,682 bucks. That's 8,000. 560 Satoshis per dollar. Damn, man. And let's see what's going on here with the Lightning Network. 970.73 BTC are in the Lightning Network as capacity. That gives us $11.3 million of liquidity spread across 7,318 nodes, representing 36,473 channels. We've had another drop in the Tor capacity. 
434.06 BTC are in the Tor side of the Lightning Network, but that brings it down to 44.7% of capacity. And that is over 2,132 nodes. We'll get to the rest of the morning roundup after some music. Welcome to part two of the snooze you can use. Helen Parts pinning this one for Cointelegraph sometime late last night. Russia's biggest bank considers launching its own stablecoin. First they laugh at you, then they fight you, they call you stupid, and then they try to emulate doing exactly what you're doing because they know they're going to die. Shortly after Russia's president, Vladimir Putin, signed the country's recent cryptocurrency law, the country's bank voiced its considerations. That's the largest bank, by the way. Bank, a state-owned company and the largest bank in Russia is considering the possibility of issuing its own token shitcoin, according to its key executives. Sergei Popov, director of the transaction business at Bank, says that Russia's banking giant is thinking of issuing its own stablecoin that would be pegged one-to-one to the Russian ruble. <laughs> Local news agency Conversant reported on Tuesday. According to the report, the potential stablecoin could be used for settlements involving other digital financial assets. Popov reportedly noted that Sbrrr Bank would be able to issue the token in accordance with the recently passed crypto law called On Digital Financial Assets, or the DFA. The exec said, quote, We probably may issue a stablecoin on the basis of the law that has been adopted recently as we can peg the stablecoin to the ruble. This token could become a basis or an instrument for settlements involving other digital financial assets. Oh God, you guys were so wrong. And now you're catch you're playing catch up and it's just sad. Oh well. The news came after Russian President Vladimir Putin officially signed Russia's DFA into law on July the 31st. By signing the bill, Putin prohibited Russian residents from making payments in cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin starting from Jan 1. 2021. First initiated in 2018, the DFA law reportedly legalizes crypto to crypto exchanges, buying and selling, as well as loans in crypto. Bank is known for its crypto-related initiatives. In May, Cointelegraph reported that Bank was spending more than $100 million on 5,000 blockchain-enabled ATMs that are capable of mining crypto. Weird. In November 2019, uh, the bank also pioneered a blockchain solution for repurchase agreements, also known as Repo. In May of 2019, the bank had to suspend a crypto initiative due to the negative stance on blockchain assets held by the central bank. So, Putin making it, you know, and I said something about the DFA insofar that they let some things happen, but you can't pay pay people in crypto. That's, you know, actually that's kind of important. And because it's like, if we'll just do that, and people have been saying this, we'll just make it illegal to use Bitcoin to buy anything. A, how did that work out for drugs? Two, how did that work out for prostitution? And D, fuck you. This shit's going to happen whether you make it legal or not. Stop pretending. Stop pretending that you're not, that govern, government agents in the agencies, stop pretending that you're a majority of the people of the world. You are not. You are a sad, pathetic minority in the world. And I just think your time has come. 
I, I think it's time to put you guys to bed. I'm sick of you crying and moaning. I'm just going to give you a bottle and put your ass to bed. And the rest of us should think about doing the same too. Because the SEC is on the hunt for more tools to keep a closer eye on crypto. This is Robert Stevens writing this one for Decrypt.co sometime yesterday. And he says, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission is on the lookout for a tool that can analyze blockchain smart contracts As first reported by Bloomberg Law, the SEC published a notice on July the 30th requesting that companies solicit it with applications for a tool that can analyze and detail code within blockchains and other distributed ledgers. The tool, it wrote, would support the SEC's efforts to monitor risk, improve compliance, and inform commission policy with regard to digital assets, end quote. Specifically, the software would help the SEC work out how token sales funds are distributed. They're going to come after you, man. The SEC has chased after several cryptocurrency companies for running ICOs, among them Block One, Telegram, and Kick. It wrote that token or coin sale specifications and purchase and or sale restrictions are necessary features of this tool. This would be crucial to the SEC's effort of working out whether crypto companies have violated U.S. securities laws. It hounded many ICOs after it claimed that the companies responsible distributed tokens to U.S. investors without first regulating, uh, without first registering with the regulator. Companies or small businesses, per the notice, have until August the 14th to offer their services. On July the 29th, the day prior to the notice's publication, the SEC put out a notice saying that it intended to award blockchain analytics firm CypherTrace a contract to help it track the flow of funds on blockchains. In its notice, it said that CypherTrace products are, quote, the only known blockchain forensics and risk intelligence tool that can support the Binance coin and all tokens on the Binance network. End quote. The SEC said that the government would, quote, give consideration to interested parties if they put their submissions in by the response date of the notice, end quote, which was a day later, July the 30th. The SEC did not provide any indication that the two notices are related. However, the products required are similar, apart from the other notices clarification about Binance. A cipher trace, however, also supports hundreds of other assets. But one thing is clear, the SEC is arming up. Yes, they are. And they are going to go after low-hanging fruit. And the highest hanging fruit that there can possibly ever be is Bitcoin. And this is why I Bitcoin and I don't dabble in shit coins because you guys are going to get smoked. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. And if you'd get off your damn high horse and just build on Bitcoin, we would make that fruit so high as to completely implode all hopes of the SEC or any regulators in any government to be able to reach it. But no, you guys are too busy getting rich quick and doing it on the backs of retail investors. So I hate all of you. U.S. lawmakers don't want proof of stake networks to get overtaxed. Oh, Coindesk. Let's see what Nicholas Day has to say on this one. Four lawmakers wrote a letter to the IRS service Wednesday asking the U.S. tax agency to ensure stakers don't face tax liabilities for receiving block rewards before they sell their new tokens. Dated July 29th, this letter was sent to the IRS Commissioner Charles Redding, Chief Counsel Michael Desmond, and Assistant Secretary for Tax Policy David Couture, and was signed by the Congressional Blockchain Caucus's co-chairs, Representatives David Schicklewart, 
Bill Foster, Tom Emmer, and Darren Soto. I like Tom. I'm not sure about the rest of these idiots. <clears throat> Quote, <clears throat> It is possible the taxation of staking rewards as income may overstate taxpayers' actual gains from participating in this new technology. It could also result in a reporting and compliance nightmare for taxpayers and the service alike. The caucus clarified staking rewards should be taxed appropriately. Quote, we believe that taxpayers' true gains from these tokens should indeed be taxed. The letter said, Abraham Sutherland, a lecturer at the University of Virginia, told Coindesk these concerns include the fact that staking protocols could create new blocks and therefore release new tokens every few minutes, hours or days. Each of these blocks could be treated as an independent taxable event, meaning taxpayers could potentially have hundreds of taxable events Every year, which would be a headache for both the taxpayer and the IRS to assess, he said. Treating staking as a source of income might cause issues for participants in the U.S., said Sutherland, who assisted in writing the letter. The metaphors individuals use to explain staking might be misleading in a harmful way, he said, although the implications may not be immediately obvious. Quote, the example here is it's misleading to say that validators get paid to create blocks and to maintain the network. And it might seem harmless, but this metaphor can lead to the idea that block rewards are income. And of course, income gets taxed, he said. These implications are starting to be felt by the industry. If a network's value grows 5% over a year, but an individual staker has seen the number of tokens they hold grow 6%, does this mean the staker has 6% gain, he said. The IRS has yet to say how or when staking rewards should be taxed, uh, said Sheehan Chandreska, coin tracker head of tax strategy. In an email, he said there are a few different positions as to how staking rewards can be taxed. Quote, technically speaking, Staking income is similar to rental income. This is because cryptocurrencies are treated as property. Income you get after lending property is rental income by default, he said. However, staking income can also be treated as interest because rewards might look like interest payments or royalties for that matter. Come on, guys, just tell them to get off your ass. Why don't you do that? Sutherland said that the appropriate approach to taxing staking rewards should be to treat it like new property. New property isn't taxed as income right away, he said, but taxed when it's sold. The congressman agreed in their letter, quote, those who help validate transactions create new blocks in the cryptocurrency blockchain and also create these new tokens. Similar to all other forms of taxpayer-created property, such as crops, minerals, livestock, artworks, and even widgets off the assembly line. These tokens could be taxed when they are sold. <clears throat> Chandraskera, I guess is how you pronounce his name. I'm, I know I'm butchering it. Said there, there is an argument to be made in support of this method, though in his view, the most conservative approach would be to tax rewards as income at the time they're received. Oh, dude, that's bad which is similar to how the IRS approaches mining rewards. Sutherland said he believes the issue is less important for mining than it is for staking because it's more likely token rewards are more diluted in a proof-of-stake network. Still, Wednesday's letter is mainly a first step in getting clarification on how tokens are treated by this nation's tax man. As part of that, Sutherland hopes that the crypto industry gets better at using metaphors and explaining how new consensus mechanisms or token reward systems work. Quote, block rewards are not a money machine, he said. What they are is one part of an amazing system to incentivize the maintenance of a decentralized network where nobody is in charge. And that's the end of that one. But dude, it's just cringe, man. It's cringe. And what really sucks, though, is that Tom Emmer is part of this. 
And I re uh, read a news article yesterday about Tom Emmer, and I really like the guy, but he's hanging out with some real dipshits, man. And he just, this needs to stop. Honestly, They're, we need to roll back taxes because these guys are spending our taxes in ways that, that in my opinion, well, in many other people's opinion too, not everybody, but I mean, my, the taxes that I pay are used to do some of the most fucking horrific things in the history of histories. That means that I'm putting my name on it and I'm not even being asked if I, well, do you support X, which I know X would be some horrific thing in the history of histories, right? I would say, no, you may not use my tax money for this horrific thing. No, you may not. And I want proof that you can't use it. I want to make, I want absolute clarity as to exactly where every single one of my tax dollars go. I don't like being taxed. You guys are stealing from me. But when you steal from me and you use my property in ways that make me physically ill anyway, it's like, it's like insult after injury. And honestly, anybody who's running for any office that says the word, we should tax more or, or some semblance of that should automatically, automatically be not elected by the people. This has become intensely stupid. Bitcoin hater Peter Schiff says dollar approaching its wily coyote movement. <laughs> Gold price reached a new all-time high and the same factors behind its rally could also push Bitcoin price higher. Joseph Young writing this one for Cointelegraph sometime very early this morning. Today, the price of gold hit a new record high at $2,008 and the asset is now in the price discovery phase. The precious metals appears to be rallying due to the declining U.S. dollar, and this could also positively affect Bitcoin in the medium term due to the correlation between the two assets. In trading, the term price discovery refers to when an asset's price surpasses its previous all-time high. Given that gold is now seeking a new peak and its momentum re remains strong, traders expect that the asset will continue to appreciate until a clear resistance level is established. I think you're actually past it, but what do I know? According to Schiff, the chairman of Schiff Gold and a well-known gold advocate, the weakening dollar has pushed gold upwards. He said, quote, the price of gold is now above two grand per ounce for the first time ever. For now, the significance of the dollar's record low is lost on the vast majority of investors, but as $1,000 milestones fall like dominoes, the gravity of the problem will be more widely apparent, end quote. God, he sounds like a Bitcoiner. He really does. I, I don't agree with anything Schiff says about Bitcoin, but I do have a tendency to agree with him about stuff like this. In recent months, the value of the U.S. dollar has fallen substantially in comparison to other top reserve currencies. Consequently, this boosted alternative and safe haven assets, uh, including gold, as Cointelegraph reported, industry executives believe a weakening dollar could also strengthen the price trend of Bitcoin. OKX CEO Jay Howe, trader Scott Melker, and researcher Mark Wilcox said the drop of the dollar benefited Bitcoin. Pinpointing the inverse correlation between the United States dollar and Bitcoin, Melker said, quote, Bitcoin is the blue line. The dollar is the gray line. See the inverse action? And there's a chart then it's like, yeah, Bitcoin is the blue line, dollar is the gray line. and Ooh, I won't describe the chart. Uh, 
but it is an inverse correlation. Over time, Schiff emphasized that gold could continue to see an explosive rally as the dollar's decline rattles investors. Schiff added, quote, no one seems worried about the falling dollar. That's likely to remain the case until the fall becomes a crash, which I don't think will begin until the dollar index breaks 80. At its current rate of decline, that level could be re reached before year end, perhaps by election day. Ooh, that'll be fun. Similar factors are seemingly buoying sentiment in, or investor sentiment around gold and Bitcoin in the near term due to rising virus cases and investor uncertainty. Analysts are bracing for a gloomy trend for the dollar. The confluence of the recent correlation with Bitcoin and gold and the falling dollar could benefit BTC heading into 2021. Researchers at CryptoWatch, a market data provider, recently explained that gold matches many of the features exhibited by Bitcoin, except BTC has additional unique characteristics like portability and transactability. The researchers said, quote, in terms of traits as money, gold matches Bitcoin in the categories of fungibility and costliness to forge, end quote. Since Bitcoin price reached its peak in 2017, the perception of the digital asset as a store of value continues to improve. As gold surges to new highs, Bitcoin is receiving more interest from institutions and continuously being associated with gold. These are all factors that could positively impact BTC price in the medium term, especially considering BTC's 24% rally in the past month. So there you go. Now for the last, last one of the day for news, Ethereum 2.0 testnet. Medalla goes live with 20,000 validators. This was done, written by William Foxley for Coindesk sometime yesterday. And again, this will be a series of bullet points, so bear with me. Ethereum 2.0's final and official public testnet, Medalla, is now live, according to the Ethereum Foundation. Uh, the correct number of peers joined the testnet to consider it workable, according to a tweet from the Ethereum Foundation's Hudson Jameson. As reported by Coindesk, Medalla was one of many ETH 2.0 testnets over 2019 and 2020. Unlike the other testnets, however, Medalla was public, meaning network validators were not centrally coordinated by developer teams. 20,000 validators have joined the network with some 650,000 Ether staked, according to... what? Beacon Chain Block Explorer. Medalla was joined by five clients, including Prismatic Labs, Prism, uh, Chainsafe's Lodestar, Pegasus's Teku, Status's Nimbus, and Sigma Prime's Lighthouse. Good God. ETH 2.0 encapsulates years of research to switch to the to switch the current proof of work Ethereum network to a proof of stake consensus algorithm. The expected launch later this year will be phase zero of a multi-year overhaul. I can't wait for this chain split. I cannot wait for this shit to occur. It's going to be absolutely freaking spectacular. Because that's what's going to happen. They're going to move to proof of stake, basically given all their miners that have been with them for five years, the finger told them to sit on it and spin. And if you think these guys, all the miners that for Ethereum, the chain that we know as ETH right now, if you think they're going to go away, you're fooling yourself. I don't think they're smart. I mean, they'd have to completely revamp everything to just say, screw it, we're just going to mine Bitcoin. So I don't think that'll happen. I think what's going to happen is that Ethereum Classic guys and the miners that are mining Ethereum today are going to collapse into one. 
and they're going to give the, I think they're going to end up being the dominant ETH chain. I really do. I think this proof of, of uh, stake thing is so it adds an, it by itself. It adds a whole other level of gaming to this already ridiculously laid out Rube Goldberg machine. It's clear that this thing continues to get hacked. It continues to add new shit that immediately get hacked. And then they add even more new shit that immediately gets hacked. I mean, all, all you have to look at is the Dow. The, the, the Dow hack is all you need to know about Ether. And it's also all you need to know about what's going to happen when they change to, to proof of uh, stake. These miners are going to continue to mine this chain. And it's going to be spectacular. If I were to buy any shitcoin ever again in my life, I would probably buy that one just to spite the idiots that thought it was going to be a good idea to go to proof of stake. With that said, that's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right, Daily Train Wrecked, brought to you by... Vitalik Buterin. Well, that's the first one. You guys get a twofer for today. I just, I, you were about to get a threefer, but I just couldn't do that. So, um, let's do this one by Vitalik. Although he's not your primary smoldering pile. He just says, in my opinion, Ethereum is an anti-Satoshi. It's a continuation of Satoshi's vision. Oh, the cringe. Breathe, people, breathe. The real, the real uh, deal here, though, is Roger K. Ver. As you know, Dave Portnoy, uh, or uh, DDGD, or some day, Davy Day Trader, or some kind of shit like that, it's Stooley President. Okay, that's Dave Portnoy. He's the head of that uh, Barstool Sports thing that somehow, or, I, I still honestly, I guess it's like the onion. I don't know what the fuck barstool sports is. I've tried to have people explain it to me, but they're like, they'll tell me and I they just, go, I don't understand. I, I like Dave and I kind of like some of the stuff that I've seen on barstool sports, but I'm, I never can wrap my head around whatever that model is in, in either event. As you know, over the last couple of days, Dave Portnoy has been making some waves by making fun of Bitcoin. And I honestly, I honestly think he actually likes Bitcoin. But in true Dave Portnoy style, I think he's using his, <clears throat> I think he's using this sort of as a ruse to do stuff. Anyway, so he, um, he made a kind of a, reached out to the Winklevi or the, uh, the Winklevoss brothers from Jim, is it Gemini? Yeah, Gemini, um, to explain to him what the hell Bitcoin is because he doesn't know how to buy it. He doesn't know what it is. He's, he seems confused that he can't hold it. So he asked him to come over to his place wearing their rowing costumes for God only knows what cringe reason and explain this shit to him. And I think it was, it was one of the brothers. I think it was Tyler said, sure, we'll, we'll do it. And Dave Portnoy, um, um, he was, you know, made this other tweet where he says, let's do it. I want to buy all the Bitcoins. Well, Roger responds, Roger Ver responds to that uh, by, um, well, 
by retweeting that tweet with this. He says, please follow back and I'll show you via DM things that Bitcoin Cash can do that Bitcoin no longer can. Gifts.bitcoin.com. kind of pathetic. Follow back. You know why he wants him to follow back? There's two reasons, I think. One of them I'm sure of. The first one that I'm not so sure of is that, uh, 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 what is it, Cl- uh, clout trotting or whatever the hell, hell they call it. He, wa- he, he wants to ride some, some, some other clout, so he wants him to DM or uh, follow him back so that he can DM, which means, and this brings me to point number two, which I'm deadly sure of, Roger Ver is, he's closed his DMs. So you can only DM Roger if you are following Roger. And I assume, I'm thinking that maybe he's following you back. But dude, I mean, the, this is the death of a salesman playing out right in front of your ass. It's kind of sad to watch that he's like, you know, doing this clout chasing thing and is just it's peddling wares is what this is. It's just simply peddling wares. Please be aware. BCH is not Bitcoin. It's never going to be Bitcoin. It never was Bitcoin. And all it did, all it really did was allow Craig Wright to come into the space and and legitimize his ass in the eyes of hundreds of thousands of people. And now we've got that mess that won't work itself out for another five years because Roger lit him and Calvin Ayer into the system. He was the gatekeeper and he lit those two weirdos into what should be really nice. But all systems are going to get their scumbags. But just remember, it was Roger Ver that lit these scumbags in. Death of a salesman. There's your smoldering, smoldering pile. Terrible Joke Corner brought to you by Dad Says Jokes. Who says? Her. Undress me with your words. Me. I saw a spider in your bra. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. All right. All right. All right. All right. That's enough. That's enough for now. We are six minutes past one hour. As Peter McCormick likes to say, I'm conscious of your time. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.